Good evening, listeners. Welcome to the Nightly Crawcatcher with Corey Bank. This is episode 44. I'm excited to be here with you all tonight. I am your host, and you're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, the key attitude of Georgia. I hope everyone's having a great night. It's now time to enter the late night madness. Welcome to our NFL Week 2 of the NCAA Recap Games of the Week segment. Each week, we are going to recap two of the best noon Saturday games, two of the best late afternoon games, and the two featured late Saturday night primetime games. And we'll also feature our music news segment. But tonight, we have a special treat in our first game. We're going to cover tonight is between the Colorado Buffaloes versus the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Shador Sanders spent all day avoiding the rush, including from his own fans who were storming the field. It's a moment the Colorado quarterback thought he wanted even to stay on the field to enjoy. But I started getting beat up, he said with a laugh. Sanders accounted for three scores. The defense forced four turnovers. And the 22nd ring Buffaloes beat the longtime rival, Nebraska 36-14 on Saturday. In the home debut of Deion Sanders at a sold-out stadium at Folsom Field. At the Coach Prime's team was a story of week one. With an upset of TCU, the Buffs showed it was no fluke. They even used a slightly different blueprint. One that relied on the defense early until the offense found its rhythm. This team, Deion Sanders said, hasn't scratched the surface of what it's capable of doing just yet. Shador Sanders threw for 393 yards and two scores while running for another touchdown. He capped his six-yard romp in the fourth quarter with the dance steps his dad made famous during his playing days. I really think I did better than him, honestly, the quarterback said of his shuffle. Not so fast, his father cautioned at the wind. But wow, the Buffaloes are now 2-0. Needed a moment to wake up given the early kickoff. But once they did, they were unstoppable. After punting on their first four drives, Shador Sanders and the offense scored on seven of eight possessions to turn the game into a rout. The Buffaloes outgained the Huskers by 454 to 341 in a margin. We've got, we've just got to get out to a faster start to really play better in that regard, Sanders said. But we loved how we played today. Now the fans ran onto the field to celebrate with a second remaining after a momentary delay. The official announced it was over and more rushed out. This is my first time somebody rushed the field, he said. It looked fun. Then all the contact. I'm telling you, stay out of it, he said. It was a bittersweet moment. But the contest featured two of the coaches trying to turn around programs that have fallen on the lean times. Deion Sanders has elevated Colorado to the point where the Buffaloes had 53,241 fans in attendance. Their largest crowd in 15 years, folks. Wow. Prime time. And tickets going for roughly $400 a pop. His counterpart, Matt Rule, is still looking for his first win at Nebraska. I think we're better than we're showing. But what does that mean? It's just words, Rule said. I told the team we're going to get this right. Oh, and he better get it right. But Xavier Weaver hauled in 10 catches for 170 yards and a score. 
while Jay's Feely connected on three field goals. Shador Sanders stayed cool despite being under constant pressure and sacked seven times in the ballgame. He distributed to production just like he did in that 45-42 win at TCU last weekend. Tarvish Dawson had a big afternoon with a 30-yard touchdown catch and an 8-yard score on a reverse. The defense held the Cornhuskers in check until Colorado's offense got revved up. Nebraska quarterback Jeff Sims fumbled two snaps, lost another on a botched handoff, and had a pass picked off. Sims also had a 57-yard run for a score that cut the deficit to 13-7 in the third quarter. But he was knocked out of the game in the fourth quarter when he had his left ankle rolled on a scramble to make a throw. I don't think there's any finger-pointing going on to linebacker Nick Henrik. But we've got to keep growing together. Everyone can do something better. But Travis Hunter, CU's versatile cornerback and receiver, rarely left the field. He finished with three catches for 73 yards while also making four tackles. Hunter played 129 snaps. Wow, the kids got a motor. That is unbelievable conditioning. The fans showed up early to get good seats as Folsom Field kicked off its 100th season in electric fashion. The crew for Fox's big noon kickoff was on hand too. I welcome Colorado royalty Cordell Stewart and Michael Westbrook to the set. Hall of Fame receivers Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders' old Cowboys teammate, and Terrell, Day- Terrell Owens also were at the game. But the seat everyone wanted on the Colorado sideline, the newly unveiled turnover throne, of course, Jordan Dominique, Arden Walker, and Bishop Thomas recovered fumbles while Cameron Silman Craig had interception. But here's the thing. The Buffaloes were fitted for suits courtesy of Michael Strahan's line with the finishing touches for the outfit inspired by Deion Sanders. The inside lining of the tan suits including the Colorado logo and Sanders' phrase, I believe. This team's got camaraderie. It's fantastic. Now, what do we take away from this game? Nebraska has dropped its last five non-conference road games and 22 straight games against ranked teams dating back to 2016. As for Colorado, the Buffaloes have their first three-game winning streak over the Huskers since 1950s, folks. Unreal. But based upon the poll implications, Colorado should be on the rise once again, rising the rankings. But it was the Colorado Buffaloes who won this game in a rivalry game in Boulder by the score of 36-14. Now we're on to our next game of the NCAA college football recap segment between the Wisconsin Badgers versus the Washington State Cougars. Cameron Ward passed for 212 yards and two touchdowns and added another 43 yards rushing. Nakaya Watson scored on a one-yard run with 5.30 remaining. And the Washington State team upsets Wisconsin, number 19 ranked, 31-22 on Saturday. Ward scrambled for runs of 23 yards and 14 yards during a pivotal fourth-quarter drive to help the Cougars avoid a second-half meltdown and beat the Badgers for the second straight season. Watson capped the drive with his one-yard plunge. Washington State, who are now 2-0, hosted its first Power 5 non-conference opponent since 1998 
and played its first home game since the collapse of the Pac-12 this summer. Facing an uncertain future as a Power 5 program, Washington State put on a show in the first half to race to a 24-6 lead. In this moment, it's everything. We belong in the Power 5, so Washington State coach Jake Dickert said on the field as it was flooded by celebrating fans after the upset. These kids have worked their tails off. I am so damn proud of them. As for Wisconsin, they are now 1-1. One one, scored 16 straight points and was driving in the fourth quarter with a chance to take the lead before running back Chaz Malusi fumbled near the field, midfield. The Badgers lost three fumbles and had a little go right in the first half. Nathaniel Vakos made three field goals in the first half, but Wisconsin didn't find the end zone until Malusi's two-yard run midway through the third quarter that cut Washington State's lead to 24-16. Mordecai hit Skyler Bell on a 16-yard touchdown pass late in the third quarter to pull Wisconsin to 24-22, but the two-point conversion attempt failed. Mordecai was 25-40 for 278 yards and a fumble twice, both on sacks by Ron Stone Jr., one of the fumbles was recovered by Brennan Jackson for a touchdown in the first half. Washington State held the Badgers' potent running back duo of Malusi and Braylon Allen for 69 yards on just 19 carries. But the reality is, we have enough talent to win, first-year Wisconsin coach Luke Fickle said. The Cougars punted on their first four second-half possessions and total just 119 yards after halftime, but they got a much-needed jolt when safety Jaden Hicks forced the Malusi fumble and cornerback Jackson Latameo recovered. We didn't have the second half we wanted as an offense, Ward said, but we didn't flinch. This was a statement win indeed. With 33,024 fans at Martin Stadium, this was a gut-check time on national television. This is a crux point for Washington State and Washington State football, Dickert said. We're carrying the flag for all the transition, and this is a pivotal moment for where we want to go. Wherever we end up, we've got to commit to being great, and I think that's what it means in the statement of this win, especially in a top-ranked opponent like Wisconsin. But to be honored in this game, Black Pirate flags and shirts were all over Martin Stadium in honor of Mike Leach, the former Washington State coach who died back in December. Now the Cougars burst through the tunnel before the game with eight players waving this pirate flag. A handful of former players then raised a large black flag with the Cougars logo and crossing swords in the southeast corner of the stadium. Most Washington State coaches also wore black pirate shirts in honor of Coach Leach. He was surely missed. But in this game, what we could take away was that Washington State might not, may not have a future as a Power 5 conference, but it showed it belonged. For the second straight year against the Badgers of the Big Ten, Wisconsin, meanwhile, faces plenty of questions two games into Luke Fickle's tenure. That's what remained to be seen, folks. But in this game, it was the Washington State Tigers who took the Wisconsin Badgers to the bank by the score of 31-22. We'll be right back, folks, with our next game of the NCAA College Football Recap Segment. You don't want to miss it. 
Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home, offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan, 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text K4K Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre tract is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. You're listening to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key at Newton, Georgia. And now we're on to our next game of the NCAA college football recap segment. It's between the Oregon Ducks versus the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Tyler Shell was trying one final time against his former team to match a Bo Nix-led drive to a final field goal with another of his own for Texas Tech. The number 13 Oregon's defense had an answer. Nix threw for 359 yards and two touchdowns. Jeffrey Bossa had a 45-yard interception return for a score in the final minute, and the Ducks rallied for a 38-30 victory over Texas Tech on Saturday. Show threw for three touchdowns and ran for 101 yards, but was responsible for four turnovers as the Red Raiders' school record 23-game winning streak in home openers came to an end. Trying to do something, everything that can happen in this game. But Show said, you want to eliminate those the best you can. I've got to find a way to get it done at the end of the day. The Red Raiders are now 0-2 for the first time since 1990 after losing in double overtime at Wyoming in their opener. And Sho has lost both games he started and finished this season after winning the first eight and two injury plague seasons after leaving Oregon in 2021. Sho's third turnover was the biggest when it was pronounced chucked. When he was down 31-30 after Cameron Lewis 34-yarder with 1-10 remaining, Brandon Dorless smashed show just as though he was throwing on his second down near midfield. And the ball went straight to Bossa, who stepped over show and ran for free to the end zone with 35 seconds left. We talk about being composed in moments like this, but here's the thing. you got to lean on your player sometime and know you're at your best said Oregon coach Dan Lenny. 
We're not going out there calling exotic defenses in those scenarios. What can we execute with speed without overthinking is what we thought about in that moment. The Ducks, who are now 2-0, had twice rallied in the fourth quarter behind Knicks, who led a 17-play drive with four third-down conversions for a touchdown to get within two. Then the answer shows go-ahead drive with a methodical four-minute march to Lewis, third and final field goal. You want to go and get points when you want to go take the lead? Obviously, if you can, you want to limit them getting the ball back, Nick said. As an offense, we're champing at the bit to get the ball back to go down and score with five minutes left in the game. Oregon was down nine and facing third and 11 near midfield when Nick's weaved through tacklers and stayed on his feet long enough for a 13-yard gain. Two passes and another run converted the others. We have an unbelievable quarterback on our team that is an unbelievable leader, an unbelievable human, Lanning said, and he is freaking good ball player. Go pull up the film on Bo Nix and tell me he can't win games. Show got Texas Tech to the Oregon 33 with eight seconds to go. His desperation throw to end to the end zone came up two yards short and was intercepted by Brian Addison. Gino Garcia was two of six for the season when he made a 45-yard field goal to give Texas Tech a 30 to 28 lead with 5:13 remaining. Show rallied from a 22-yard loss on a strip sack and lost the fumble and the interception to direct a three-play, 83-yard drive for a 27-18 lead after Knicks was stuffed on a fourth and one. Knicks answered with fourth, four third-down conversions on a touchdown drive before the Ducks went ahead 28-27 on Lewis's 23-yard field goal after Malik Dunlap almost pulled off a toe-tapping interception in the end zone. Show. Kick started the Texas Tech offense by rush by running 58 yards on a design draw to set up the game's first touchdown, and Knicks answered with a 72-yard scoring toss to Troy Franklin. Show was 24 of 40 for 282 yards, and Knicks was 32 of 44 without an interception as Oregon finished plus four on takeaways, and Franklin had 103 yards receiving on six catches. My goodness. It's very similar on the connection that Knicks passed former Texas Tech quarterback Patrick Mahomes, the two-time Super Bowl winner with Kansas City, on the career list for yards passing. What an accomplishment indeed. Knicks with 11,490 to Mahomes' 11,252. Being put in that category means you accomplished some feat. Congratulations, Knicks. But Oregon tight end Patrick Herbert the younger brother of former Ducks and current Los Angeles Chargers quarterback, Justin Herbert, converted the two-point conversion with a toss to Terrence Ferguson out of the swinging gate formation. The play put Oregon up 15-7 in the first quarter. But what we could take away from this game, for Oregon at least, Knicks and the Ducks converted several gritty third-down conversions in the second half after falling behind by nine which helped offset a sloppy night of penalties. Oregon had 14 penalties for 124 yards, including a pass interference and false start calls. As for Texas Tech, what they need to improve upon, the Red Raiders figured to be able to put the disappointing, uh, the disappointment indeed of the loss against Wyoming behind them, but with a high-profile home opener, and they did. While the 0-2 start, 
kind of stings a bit for the Texas Tech Red, Ra Red Raiders ball club. They're now in an important position to bounce back, and they need to, indeed. But in this game, it was the Oregon Ducks who took the Texas Tech Red Raiders to the bank for the score of 38-30. Now we're on to the next game of our NCAA college football recap segment. We've got a thriller for you, indeed, between the Appalachian State Mountaineers versus the North Carolina Tar Heels. Another game against Appalachian State meant more anxiety for the number 17 North Carolina Tar Heels. And another exciting ending in this one, an overtime. So Drake May's 13-yard run in the second overtime helped rescue North Carolina, and the Tar Heels defense made it to hold up in this 40-34 win. The Tar Heels posted a 63-61 game in last year's game in Boone, a wild affair that included the Mountaineers scoring 40 fourth quarter points. Stressful, but fun at the same time to go out there and make the plays, said May, who threw for 208 yards as the Tar Heels ended a six-game skid in overtimes. O'Marion Hampton ran for 234 yards and three touchdowns, including the 17-yard run that allowed the North Carolina Tar Heels to pull even in the first overtime. Nate Noel ran seven yards for a touchdown on the first overtime possession for Appalachian State, and he finished with 127 yards on 26 carries. Ryan Cole kicked two field goals for North Carolina, but he did miss one from 39 yards away. The last play of regulation. The Mountaineers led three different times after halftime. We finished when it mattered at the end, Tar Heels coach Mac Brown said. They picked themselves back up and went right back to work. Appalachian State gained 494 yards in total offense, but couldn't close out a victory in Chapel Hill like they did in 2019. I'm at a loss for words, but I'm very proud of our team, Coach Sean Clark said. I'm never going to second-guess anything our players have done. They're hurting, but we're Mountaineers. We'll bounce back from this, and we're going to have a good football team this year. Hampton, a sophomore, credited his offense for his career-best performance. They were opening up holes, he said. If they were opening up holes, I had to hit them hard. Hampton's second scoring run came from seven yards out when 9-19 remaining and wiped out a brief Appalachian State lead. The Mountaineers' Michael Hughes kicked a 33-yard field goal with a minute 22 left in regulation to tie the game. They bring it every time, May said, but Mountaineers quarterback Joey Aguilar was 22 of 43 for 275 yards with two touchdowns and one interception. Hampton carried the ball 26 times as part of the Tar Heels' 319-yard ground attack. A lot of rushing yards, incredible job by this Tar Heel team on the ground, opening up holes for their backs to really have an impactful game. His workload came in part because British Brooks, who gained 103 yards a week earlier against South Carolina, was out with an injury. Aguilar played in relief a week earlier in a home win over Gardner-Webb. First-string quarterback Ryan Berger could miss a month with a hand injury, so it was time for him to step up. Appalachian State has played eight consecutive games decided by seven points or less against Power 5 opponents. The Mountaineers are now 3-5 in those games. North Carolina won a game without a passing touchdown for the first time in eight years. Hampton, 
who had 126 rushing yards in the first half, became the first Tar Heel to rush for 100 or more yards in consecutive home openers since Ethan Horton in the early 1980s. North Carolina safety Don Chapman intercepted a third-quarter pass for his first pickoff since 2020. Meanwhile, North Carolina played consecutive overtime games at home for the first time. The Tar Heels ended the 2022 regular season with a loss to North Carolina State. But it's pretty amazing to see. What we could take away from this game is the fact that Appalachian State produced more in the passing attack than North Carolina. But they ended up on the short end of the stick against the Tar Heels for the second year in a row. As for North Carolina... The Tar Heels needed key second-half offensive plays to avoid the upset. They scored on four of five possessions at their halftime and both in overtime, which was enough. But based upon this, in our qualifications, North Carolina should hold steady after the close encounter at home against the only in-state opponent on the schedule until facing three more in November. But in this game, it was a thriller one indeed in this fashion. The North Carolina Tower Heels won this game in double overtime by the score of 40 to 34. We'll be right back, folks, with more of the NCAA college football recap segment. You don't want to miss it. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste, the best chicken around, fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in, take out, it's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, Nikki at Newton, Georgia. And now, we're on to our next game of the NCAA College Football Recap segment. And this game is between the Texas A&M Aggies versus the University of Miami Hurricanes. This season for the Miami Hurricanes 
was about reinstituting a winning culture led by the players and shown through energetic plays on the field. The Hurricanes are already getting what they worked for. Tyler Van Dyke threw a career-high five touchdown passes on Saturday. Press hard. Smith returned a kickoff 98 yards for a score to the house. And the Miami Hurricanes overcame a slow start to defeat the number 23 Texas A&M. 48-33. Smith caught a kick near Miami's end zone and burst forward untouched for the Hurricanes' longest score of the young year. He celebrated only briefly on the sideline, then scampered back onto the field for the kickoff coverage. The play gave the Hurricanes an 8-point lead in the third quarter, and they built on that. It was a stark turnaround after Texas A&M jumped out to a 10-point first quarter lead. Players are stepping up, said receiver Xavier Restrepo, who had six catches for 126 yards. Last year, it felt like the coaches had more energy than the players. This year, we all sat down the first day of spring training camp and were like, this is our team, not the coaches team. Van Dyke had two touchdown passes of three yards, as well as 52, 11, and 64 scores. He finished with 374 yards passing to bring his season total to 575, an impressive start after he struggled last year. I feel accuracy-wise, I'm the best I have ever been, said Van Dyke, who was 21-30, with no interceptions seeing the defense. I'm the best I've ever been. I'm seeing really well right now, and the confidence is a big thing there. Aggies quarterback, Connor Wigman. Had 336 yards passing, including a 9-yard touchdown pass on 4th down to Noah Thomas. That brought the Aggies within 8 points with 5 minutes. On the next drive, Miami's Jacoby George caught a 64-yard touchdown pass, his third score of the game. Wegman threw his first collegiate interception when safety Cameron Kenchus caught a pass intended for Inus Smith in the third. Kenchus was later carted off the field and taken to the hospital after a scary hit. We hope the best for Kinches. Miami coach Mario Cristobal said he thinks Kinches will be okay. And the Hurricanes lost to Texas A&M 17-9 just a year ago in a down to their 5-7 and season. But in Cristobal's second year, Miami is now 2-0. Now has new offensive and defensive coordinators and a revamped offensive line. After that unit was among the weakest they have seen in years. The result has been a 250-yard rushing performance and a commanding 38-3 win over Miami in Week 1 in its opener, as you will. An impressive comeback win in the first real test of 2023. I felt like I could have went to sleep and woke up and still run my route with the O-line, Restrepo said. But Miami ran into a massive wall in the Aggies' defensive line which features multiple five-star recruits. Texas A&M, now 1-1, limited Miami to just 77 rushing yards, 3.2 yards per attempt. The Hurricanes made up for it in the passing game, though, as their receivers broke free for 241 yards after the catch. The 6'5", 215-pound Colby Young hauled in six passes for 75 yards and a touchdown. The Aggies, led by six-year head coach Jimbo Fisher and new offensive coordinator and play caller Bobby Pacino, told him for 433 yards but gave up 451. We made plays all three phases of the game, Fisher said, but 
We gave up all the big plays in the phases of the game. Special teams jump-started the Aggies' offense early, but the Texas A&M first drive of the game started at Miami's 15 after a blocked punt, and Wegman strutted into the end zone from one to cap a three-play 57-second drive that gave the Aggies a 7-0 lead. But in the second quarter, the Aggies recovered a muff punt by George, which led to a 9-yard rushing touchdown by Amari Daniels, making it a 17-7 game. George made up for it when he caught the go-ahead touchdown that made it 21-17 just before the halftime. Aggies receiver Evan Stewart had 11 catches for 142 yards. Lightning in the area delayed the start of the game by about a half hour. But the Texas A&M team is second SEC opponent to ever face the Hurricanes at Hard Rock Stadium and first since the Florida Gators visited in 2013. Miami won that game 21-16. But what can we take away for this game for the Texas A&M team? After a strong first quarter, the Aggies came undone with a missed field goal, interception, and fumble in the latter third three quarters. All momentum killing plays on the, on the road. As for Miami, with a dominant win in their season opener and a statement win over a ranked opponent, Miami is showing that it is vastly improved from last year's team. But what can we see in these poll implications? Texas A&M is at risk of tumbling out of the AP Top 25 after this loss. In this game, with an upset fashion, it was the Miami Hurricanes who took the 23rd ranked Texas A&M Aggies to the bank by the score of 48-33. to Now we're on to the next game. We've got a heavyweight matchup between University of Alabama Roll Tide versus the University of Texas Longhorns. Alabama's 21-game home winning streak, previously the longest active mark in the nation, came to a dramatic halt against the number 11 Texas team in upset fashion, 34-24. In a marquee showdown between the future SEC foes, the outcome also ended Alabama's 43-game winning streak in non-conference home games and dropped coach Nick Saban's record against the former assistant to 28-3 as the third-year Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian claimed a long-awaited signature victory. Sarkeesian worked as Alabama's offensive coordinator in 2019-2020 and had a golden opportunity to beat his home, his former team. The Tide escaped with a 20-19 victory on a late field goal at Austin, but in the game, it really came down to it down the wire, and the Longhorns were hampered by early injury, and that was just a year ago. But now Quinn Ewers at the helm, that changed everything. Fast forward one year now, and Texas enjoyed the edge at quarterback as a fully healthy Ewers threw for three touchdowns with no interceptions. Alabama's Jalen Milrow struggled by comparison with two interceptions that led to 10 Texas points, including a game-changing miscue that helped the Longhorns build a two-possession lead early in the fourth quarter. The win was Texas's first road victory against a top-three team in the AP Top 25 since 1969, folks. I can't make this up. It's been that long. And it marks Saban's first regular season non-conference loss since 20, since 2007. His first year at Alabama, as you will. Unbelievable. And how we can throw this up? Texas win versus the AP Top 5 opponents. 2023 just now with Alabama. 
2010 at when they played against Nebraska when they were five, 2013. And 08, they did this against Oklahoma. They were number one, 45-35. And 05, they did it against number one USC, 41-38. And they also did it in the same season against the number four ranked Ohio State back in 2005, 25-22. Quinn Ewers gets his redemption that he's looking for. And when Ewers exited the 2022 loss against Alabama in the first quarter, after taking a lay hit, it left Texas fans playing a game of what if. What if Ewers had played the whole game? What if he'd been healthy? But Saturday's night outcome proved that the story and the reality of Ewers is that he is a marquee quarterback. The number one overall prospect in the class of 2021 completed 24-38 passes for 349 yards, finding nine different receivers as part of a performance that cemented his name in the program record books of history. The explosiveness of Texas' passing game was particularly striking as the Longhorns connected on six plays of 30 or more yards. Adana Mitchell was on the receiving end of two Ewers touchdown tosses in the fourth quarter as he furthered his reputation for being a Bama slayer. The former George Whiteout also caught a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter of that Bulldog 2021 college football playoff national championship win over time. But the only other opposing quarterbacks to throw for at least 300 yards and three touchdowns without interception while playing Alabama during Saban's tenure are Arkansas's KJ Jefferson, and that was 2021, LSU's Joe Burrow, 2019, and Ole Miss's Chad Kelly in 2015. But here's the thing. There's a question of quarterback for Alabama. Debate figures to continue in the days ahead over whether Milrow is truly the team's best option. The redshirt sophomore never looked comfortable in the pocket against the Horns while finishing 14-27 with 255 yards, two touchdowns, and those two critical interceptions. While Milrow showed his big play capability with touchdown throws of 49-39 in the second half, Alabama struggled to find a reliable rhythm through the air. Milrow's speed and willingness to run set him apart from the backup quarterback, Tyler Buckner. But Texas rarely let Milrow get free on the ground. And he was moving some sideline to sideline. But he also took five sacks. And that's something that he's going to have to learn as a quarterback. Which reflects that he is having discomfort in his display in the pocket. But as for the Texas tight end, Jatavian Sanders. He made just three catches for four yards in last year's game, but before on to enjoy a breakout season with his 54 catches for 613 yards, the former five-star prospect put his development on full display Saturday with five catches for 114 yards. Though he didn't record a touchdown grab, his 50-yard reception on the second play of the fourth quarter set up a score on the following play. Sanders has already been generating buzz as a potential first-round selection in the 2024 NFL Draft, going at number 27 overall. But the thing is, will they figure this out? And the SEC West was off to a woeful start with Alabama's loss to Texas, A&M's loss to Miami, and LSU's loss to Florida State. It's been a tough year for them. But all in all, in this game, it was the University of Texas Longhorns who took University of Alabama to the bank by the score of 34 to 24. We'll be right back 
with NCAA college football segment. You don't want to miss it. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV 835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. As much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV 590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just repping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deer.com. Nothing runs like a deer. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about cars. And I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554. 800-579-6554. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowdcatcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at Newton, Georgia. And now, we're on to our last story of the NCAA college football recap action. It's a game between the Utah Utes versus the Baylor Bears. Utah has been using two quarterbacks while hopefully waiting each week for Cam Rising to get back from his injury in the Rose Bowl. One of them took over late Saturday to get the 12th ranked Utes another victory. These two guys have held down the fort. Coach Kyle Whittingham said, Nothing spectacular, but got the W's both weeks against two good Power 5 teams. Redshirt freshman quarterback Nate Johnson, given the chance in the fourth quarter, take all the snaps. He capped a 15-play, 88-yard drive with a 7-yard keeper for a touchdown with 159 left. Then the Utah Utes took their only lead on Jalen Glover's 11 touchdown, 11 yard touchdown. With 17 seconds remaining to escape Baylor with a 20 to 13 win in a matchup of future Big 12 foes, both missing their starting quarterbacks. The Utes, now they're 2 0, started their winning drive at the Baylor 29 at the Cole Bishop's interception on a pass Sawyer Robertson threw under pressure. They had tied. The game at 13 on Johnson's touchdown run, ending a drive when he had 20 yards rushing and completed four or five passes for 57 yards. Johnson, who had several snaps along with Bryson Barnes before that, said he does his best to stay ready. Just step in, trust in the game plan, trust the calls, 
trust in our offense, and trust in God. And he blessed us to come out with a win. The game was scheduled eight years ago, and the first meeting of the teams wound up being a 50, a Big 12 preview. Utah, which has won the last two Pac-12 championship games and is hoping for even more in Coach Whittingham's 19th season, is one of four teams from the picked-apart Pac-12 going to the Big 12 next year? Baylor, 0-2, had one more chance to tie the game with one second left after Robertson's 47-yard pass to Hall Presley to the Utah 22, but the final pass into the end zone was incomplete. Rising is still recovering from a torn ACL in the Rose Bowl eight months ago. The Utes, starter each of the past two seasons, was able to do everything in practice this week without any limits, but they stuck with Barnes and Johnson like in a season opener, 24-11 win over Florida. Barnes started again and was 6 of 19 passing for just 71 yards. Cam is doing really well. It's just a matter of having complete confidence in the knee and the medical staff staying where saying that he's ready and that we could turn him loose. Whittingham said adding that could be next week, but cautioning that he will be day-to-day on his knee. But Baylor, the Big 12 champion only two seasons ago, has lost six games in a row dating to last season when coach Dave Aranda was asked if the Bears could recover from the skit. He said he believed so. But that's the kind of path that's ahead of us, Aranda said. We always kind of talk about you have to go down before you go back up. But you know, it's easier to talk about that than go through it. But that's where we're at at this point in time. Mississippi State transfer Robertson, who completed 12-28 passing for 218 yards and had two interceptions, had a four-yard keeper with 323 left in the first half for Baylor's only touchdown. Aranada said he played through a rolled ankle in the second half, but the Bears starter, Blake Chapin, is out at least another two weeks with a MCL strain. He suffered in the second half of their 42-31 loss to Texas State last week when they favored by nearly four touchdowns. What can we take away from this game, though? The Utah Utes certainly are missing Rising, who was on the sideline in shorts with a protective sleeve on his left knee. They couldn't get anything going consistently on offense until Johnson got the full series that resulted in their first touchdown. Barnes threw a 70-yard pass on Utah's first offensive snap against Florida, but the first play at Baylor was a delay of game penalty. As for the Baylor Bears, some missed chances in the first half came back to haunt the Bears. When Barnes was intercepted by Kyler Jordan late in the first quarter, Baylor was at the Utah 32. They quickly had a 14-yard pass, but an offensive face mask call and two false-star penalties forced them to settle for Isaiah Hankins' 34-yard field goal and a 3-0 lead at that point. But Baylor was at the Utah 32 again at the Katron Jackson leap between two defenders for a 39-yard catch in the final minute of the first half. And on 4th and 5, Hankins missed a 44-yard field goal. But with these poll implications, Utah should be ranked in about the same spot in the new AP Top 25 after pulling out the victory. But the Utes aren't likely to move up. But in this game, it was the Utah Utes who took the Baylor Bears to the bank for the score of 2013. We'll be right back with our... Music news segment. This concludes 
When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? Each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Christman. WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. Are you an unsigned artist that's looking to take the next step in your career? Look no further. Your time is now. Joint Empire Troop has come to your rescue. Owners Casey Case and Cameron Winokur are ready to make your musical dreams come true. Whether you're looking to record your next track, compose your next project, or need help with mixing and mastering your existing music, we will always be here for you in your time of need. For more information, go to www.joinempiretroop.com. The Nightly Crowcatcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the Key at Noon, Georgia. And now we're on to our music news segment. And our first story is about a legendary rock band making their first new album in 18 years. The Rolling Stones unveiled details of their first studio album of original material in 18 years, and the band's first since the death of drummer Charlie Watts at a packed-out press conference back in London. Hackney Diamonds, the group's 24th studio album, will be released October 20th. Mick Jagger, Ronnie Wood, and Keith Richards announced at an invite-only launch event at London's historic Hackney Empire Theatre. The event, which was hosted by Tonight Show host Jimmy Fallon and streamed globally on YouTube, culminated in the premiere of the band's new single, Angry, a classic Stones-style rock tune built around a funky guitar riff, catchy chorus, and Jagger's instantly recognizable Yelp vocals and its accompanying video starring Emmy-nominated actress Sydney Sweeney. The White Lotus, Euphoria, who was at the launch. Hackney Diamonds is the Stones' first studio album of new songs since 2005's A Bigger Bang. Talking about the 12-track record, which features two songs the band recorded with drummer Charlie Watts in 2019. Richards paid tribute to his former bandmate who died in 2021 at age 80. 
Ever since Charlie's gone, it's been different. He's number four, of course. He's missed incredibly, said Richards. The guitarist said that Watts had personally recommended drummer Steve Jordan, who toured with the band last year and plays on 10 tracks on Hackney Diamonds way, way back to replace him if ever anything should happen to him. So, it was kind of a natural progression. It would have been a lot harder without Charlie's blessings. Richards, wearing a trademark trilby hat and dark glasses, told Fallon, referring to the almost two-decade-long gap between the new album and a bigger bang. Jagger pointed out that the band has been on the road most of the time, but joked, maybe we're just a little bit lazy. The 80-year-old singer said he got together with Richards and Wood just before Christmas last year and gave themselves a deadline on Valentine's Day to finish the new record. When the singer wants to make a record, you record him. You never know the next time you're going to get it, said Richards, about the record's genesis. I haven't told you that before, he added, during turning towards Jagger, but you shouldn't have told me now, quipped Jagger. That's good to know. But in a total, 23 tracks were recorded for Hackney Diamonds. The band said before they settled on the final 12 songs, track titles revealed Get Close, Bite My Head Off, Dreamy Skies, Whole Wide World, and Depending on You, which Jagger said was about when you once rely on someone and they let you down. But another song entitled Sweet Sound of Heaven features Lady Gaga and Stevie Wonder, two of the superstars musicians previously Rumored to feature on the LP, the group confirmed. But Jagger confirmed the Rolling Stones' original bassist, Bill Wyman, plays on another track titled Live by the Sword, which also features Watts on drums and was described by Jagger as slightly retro-sounding. But Hackney Diamonds was produced by Andrew Watt, who Jagger said kicked us up. But the thing is, is that they've had a huge run for such a long time, the Rolling Stones, since the 1960s, they've had an incredible go of it. And they are legends for everyone that needs to see them. But we'll be right back, folks, with our last story of music news. You don't want to miss it. The Baxters have a new first book. From number one New York Times best-selling novelist Karen Kingsbury, author of life-changing fiction, comes The Baxters, a prequel. The heart-pounding story of Carrie Baxter's wedding. Amidst family tension and the worst storm Bloomington, Indiana has seen in a decade. The Baxters, by America's favorite inspirational storyteller, Karen Kingsbury. Visit KarenKingsbury.com for more information. The Baxters, available now wherever books are sold. I'm pretty handy around the house but now that i have kids i don't want to spend my saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner but thankfully there's home advisor home advisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project you can read reviews of the pros check their availability even book appointments online and what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to homeadvisor.com or download the free app to get started home advisor Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hi. 
text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key attitude in Georgia. And now we're on to our last story of music news. This is about three different artists performing at the upcoming MTV Video Awards. Fall Out Boy will perform at the MTV Video Awards for the first time since 2007 on Tuesday, September 12th, while Peso Pluma and Metro Boomin will make their performance debuts on the show. The show will air live from Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey on September 12th at 8 p.m. Pluma is one of a record four Latin artists performing on the year's VMAs. He joined Shakira, who is set to receive the Video Vanguard Award. Anita and Carol G. Likewise, Metro Boomin is one of four hip-hop stars set to perform on the show. He joins Nicki Minaj. He is set as an MC in the show. And Diddy, who is set to receive the Global Icon Award and Lil Wayne. In addition, the show will include a 50-year anniversary salute to hip-hop, something that has been all but mandatory on award shows this year. And it will include a performance by pop star Doja Cat, whose music incorporates hip-hop. But Fallout Boy first performed on the VMAs back in 2005, singing Sugar, We're Going Down. They returned two years later to perform Shut Up and Drive, featuring Rihanna and Things for Memories. The band has two nominations this year, Best Alternative for Hold It Like a Grudge and Best Visual Effects for Love from the Other Side. Fallout Boy has won four VMAs, including three wins in a row in 2005, an NTV2 Award for Sugar were going down, 2006, the Viewer's Choice Awards for Dance Dance, and 2007, Best Group. The group won Best Rock Video in 2015 for Oma Thurman. Metro Boomin and Pluma are both first-time VMA nominees as well as first-time VMA performers. Metro Boomin will perform two songs, both with big-name assist superhero, Heroes and Villains, with Future and Calling with a Boogie with the Hoodie, Sway Lee and Nath. Super Superhero is nominated for Best Hip Hop, one of four nominations for Metro Boomin. He is also up for all Album of the Year for Heroes and Villains, and two awards, Best Collaboration and Best R&B for the Creepin' Remix, which featured The Weeknd, 21 Savage, and Diddy. Pluma is contending in three categories, Best New Artist, Best Latin, Ella, Bala Sola, and collab with Aslaban Armado, and Song of the Summer for La Bebe, a collab with YNG LVCS. With the addition of social categories, Taylor Swift leads all nominees for the 2023 VMAs, with 11 nods, followed by SZA with 8, Black Rink, Doja Cat, Miley Cyrus, Nicki Minaj. Bruce Gilmer and Den of Thieves co-founder 
Jesse, Agnavak, our executive producers of this 2023 MTV Video Music Awards. Bar Balkowski is co-executive producer. So they should be able to put on a great show for all the performances this year. You're listening to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key at Newton, Georgia. Thank you for listening in tonight. Thank you, WQEE. Everyone, get a great night's sleep. We'll see you at the next one. Have a great night, everybody. Take care.